Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. This month, we've been celebrating Financial Literacy Month, and we're going to keep it going in the same vein today. Today, I'm joined by my brother, Desarte Yarnway. Welcome back to the show. And it's a pleasure to be here. I feel like every time we have these conversations, we just in a different place, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, with our business. It's an honor to walk alongside you in your growth process. And that's something that makes me proud. So congrats to you with all the success that you've had. And let's just keep pushing onward to greatness. Absolutely. Man, like you said, every time we talk, man, I think we just hit record and let the people in on our conversation. So a little bit of that today. This is typical conversations that the Sarte and I have on a regular basis. And today we're going to touch on a little bit of his financial journey and just kind of some things that he learned, some things that been going on and some tips and advice for the listeners. So today we're going to get started in that same vein. So Desarte, I mean, it's not like you need an introduction. Listeners should know. They probably know who you are by now. If they haven't heard you on this podcast, they may have heard you on the Altruist podcast, the Human Advisor podcast. They may have heard you on the Young Money podcast, or they may have just seen you on Twitter. But give us some stuff today. Tell us a little bit about the less known background that people would know. Quick sum about things that people Yeah, man. Uh, First and foremost, you mentioned us just hitting record and talking for all of your listeners that listen to this week in and week out, I talk to Emlyn every day. <laughs> I talk to Emlyn every day. So the gems that you get on a weekly basis, I'm getting them every day. We're pouring into each other in terms of different things that we're learning as we're along this journey and we're sharing the best tips and tricks and hacks to make sure that we both are successful. So I like conversations like this where we can just turn it on and go, right? And I think that's what we do pretty much every day. In terms of who I am outside of all of those things, I think that my roots are deeply rooted in West Africa, in Liberia, where my mother was born on rubber plantation called the Firestone Plantation. Funny story, I might have told this before, but the state's Firestone, a company that makes our tires, right, went to Liberia, bought over a thousand acres of land that was rich in our uh, most, one of our most precious resources, rubber, and they bought it for 10 cents an acre, right? My mom was born on that plantation, worked on that plantation made her way to the United States where she met my dad, who's also Liberian, right? He was born in a northeastern county called Nimba County. Hardworking dude, strong dude, right? And they met each other here in the States to really give us a chance to be successful, right? I think that's where my multi-generational kind of marathon began, right? Them coming to the States, them buying a home. And at the time, which was a super bad area, drug infested, crime, but something that we thought was a dream right? Coming from Liberia. It was an opportunity to really change our family's wealth trajectory, give all of their kids. I have five sisters, right? And myself. So six of us in a small, I was actually born in the Geneva Tower housing projects in San Francisco before they tore them down, right? In this apartment and we made it work. They bought a house, right? In that same neighborhood, which is a gentrified, nice neighborhood now, right? And it really just taught me that it's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. And It may not be done in your lifetime, but if you're setting up somebody to be successful, your kids, right, your family, your community, you've done a job well done, right? I think that's the biggest part of me that 
maybe it's not as quote unquote televised or promoted, mm-hmm. right? But it's those humble beginnings that inspire me to teach, motivate and inspire those who follow me, those who work with me, right? And those that I can come in contact with. I think when you talk about the, think about that story and think about your parents and then making that journey from Africa, because we had the African experience from someone mm-hmm. immigrating here of their free will is a little different than the experience that former African slaves had as they got here. And I think about that in the way, how does that almost that, I don't know if I want to call it the immigrant. When you come over as an immigrant or your parents are immigrants, this is a little different. I came all the way over here to be right, successful. Right. This is plan A and we're working plan A all the way across the pond to get here. And how do you think that being a child of African immigrants has propelled you in your success? How do you think that's helped you? So, yeah, I think that it's in my blood, right? It's, you don't want your parents' efforts to go in vain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So behind in your mind, whether you're thinking about it constantly or not, you're thinking, I can't let them down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's one part of it. And then number two is just that I'm literally one degree away from this village, mm-hmm. right? So I understand what that's like, the aspect of community, the aspect of village, the aspect of red dirt, right? The aspect of mud huts. I'm one degree of separation from that. So I think that that gives you a different worldview because at the end of the day, everything, we could go back there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could be back in that village. I can be back in that place. And it gives you a different sense of pride, one, sense of village and community understanding, too, and then sense of responsibility. And I think that everybody can find that within their circumstance, right? But I know that as a Liberian man, that's one of the things that I feel like I get from that. So with that part of that, how does that translate into the financial part of who you are? How did that translate into you becoming a young business owner, thriving firm, entrepreneur, really, if, if you want to call it what it is, entrepreneur. So how do you think those roots play into the financial literacy and the development of your own personal? Well, specifically for my parents, man, I feel like they had all of the tools, but they didn't have the information. Mm-hmm. So they were ambitious, right? Obviously, they took risks. They came to America from Liberia. They were family oriented. Like they had all the tools to make a great life, but it's hard coming from a different system, coming to this system and trying to figure out how to make it financially, right? You have to relearn everything. Mm-hmm. And one of my most vivid memories about money as I reflect, as I go to therapy, right, is the fact that when I was nine or 10, I remember sitting in the bankruptcy office with my mom and dad as they were filing for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. How did they get there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I remember them going through the debts and things like that and reading the terms and conditions as to what that meant for their financial futures, right? So as a kid, I look at the instances now that stick in my head when I'm leaving preschool and they're handing out karate flyers and their karate class is only $99 for six sessions. And mm-hmm. I bring it to my mom. She's like, you can't, we, we don't got the money for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then we're walking through a department store, maybe JCPenney or something. I'm can I get these shoes? And she's like, no, you can't get those shoes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> All the way to bankruptcy. So money was always a looming thing. We don't have enough of it. What we do have with it, we're going to make sure that it's done right. Like we use it prudently, right? And don't go above and beyond. So it, I think my experience, those early lessons that I was learning, right, taught me to really be responsible, but also almost, it was always a fear. Like, mm-hmm. what if this doesn't work out? Can I pay for this? And I think that's been something that I've noticed as an entrepreneur to be counterintuitive as it pertains to money, right? This is supposed to be a tool that I can leverage to build, right? And manifest my best life. So I think those early times really taught me a lot of stuff. How did you shift from, because when you're born like that or when you're living in that situation, 
how do you transition from, because it's a big mindset thing, right? From scarcity to abundance, right? Because I think about my own journey and I don't want to talk about mine. I want to hear about yours, but how did you make that mental transition first? Because before you could ever be an entrepreneur and all the other stuff, you had to make that mental transition of from scarcity, right? To abundance. And talk about that mental journey of scarcity to abundance. It's so crazy that you mentioned scarcity and abundance because I feel like I always ask my clients four critical questions or five critical questions when we're doing our first conversation. Number one, how did you hear about us? Number two, what was the catalyst? There's a catalyst for people to even come to talk to a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So let's start there, right? I feel like my whole life I was operating out of fear. Like I got to get out the neighborhood. What do I do? I'll play sports. I'll get out of here. You know what I mean? It wasn't until my dad passed away. That was the catalyst for a lot of shifts in my life. What mm-hmm. else is there to lose at 12 years old when you lose your superhero, right? So that was the first thing. So it was like anything that I put in my mind, so I'm going to go hard because I can't hurt more than this. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no amount of money that can replace my dad mm-hmm. from being on this earth. You know what I mean? Yep. So that was really when I sensed the shift of greatness, essentially, right? To embrace the change, to embrace the risk. That's when it began to happen. So. The way that it happened was I went pretty much, I went crazy athletically and academically, right? I'm like, I'm going to be the best at whatever I touch. And I got a scholarship to Cal Berkeley. Now, fast forward to 2015, after working in the space for some time, my brother passed away. And there's a little dynamic about my family background, going back to Liberia, my parents coming over. There was a 14-year civil war in Liberia. So it was broken up into two wars because they had a break in between, right? And then it went back to fighting. My dad brought over maybe 60 plus Liberians from the war as refugees and they stayed in our house. So when I grew up talking about money and not having it all, a lot of their resources were pouring back into the community, trying to get kids that were coming from refugee camps, specifically a refugee camp in Liberia in a town called Danane in the Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire, right? We were finding family members, bringing them over. We were sleeping in the beds horizontally, right? My brother, my dad's brother's son, which is technically my cousin. I called him my brother. We were super tight. In 2015, he passed away. So that was another shift. It's like, I can't lose anything else. Mm-hmm. I can't lose anything else. But if I try my best at this thing or whatever this thing is at the time it was Burkina Financial Group, where can I land? I know what the downside is, right? But what's the upside? Mm-hmm. And I think that we're in a place right now where I'm experiencing and I'm still exploring how up the upside is. Mm -hmm. And I think those two events in my life were the biggest mental shifts. Like we're here for a finite amount of time, right? So everything that you do, we got to make it count. Got to make it count. 100, man. And as I'm just sitting here thinking about what you're saying and stuff, and time is finite. You said that a few times. And I think just from my family stuff that I've had to go, my mom passing away, my grandparents passing away, my uncle passing away that there's no better work. It's only limited and maximize that moment. And one of the things that you and I say a lot when we're talking, or especially when I'm asking you stuff, we're getting ready to go into another business opportunity or another venture, whatever we're going to do. And I'm notorious for saying, well, what if it works? Yeah. What if it does work? What if it is better than what we think it'll be? And I think really being able to remove that glass ceiling, if you will, are those limitations that you have Mm -hmm. in your own mind. And I think after you've had trauma, something traumatic happened in your life, things just flow differently, right? Yeah. In the way that you do things, you just move a little differently because you lost something. Yeah. And I think that you don't really understand that until you have lost something. There's a lot of people moving in the world as if time is infinite, right? 
And I think that the interesting point about you and I, we share that kind of similarity in losing a parent, right? It's you understand how precious time is. So that makes you a better husband. That makes you a better advisor. That makes you a better father. You know what I mean? That makes me a better fiance because I understand that this time is, time is the gift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything else, you know what I mean? comes under yeah. that, but time is the most precious resource. And like you said, what if it works? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If it works, you're flying with the stars. If it lands, I feel like you can't feel any worse feeling than what you've already felt, which mm-hmm. is the law that you've experienced. So for me, it began to take shape. My whole mindset in terms of finances, my whole mindset in terms of building things that I can gift right to my kids shifted. And that's been one of the best experiences that I've ever had because there's a choice to be dormant. Mm-hmm. That's the other side, right? Of the mm-hmm. coin. You could do what you did and then, right? And progress and be something, or you can choose to not, right? You can choose pain. Mm-hmm. You can choose that. And I think that Nobody talks about that side, right? No. Like you do have a choice that you made. And fortunately, even through that pain, through that trauma, I feel like I made the right choice. And it's almost like a choice that you have to make daily, right? It's not just a one-time thing. It's the recommitment of rehashing that out on a daily basis mm-hmm. just to make that all work. How do you feel about when we're talking about what you just said? I'm just thinking through how important is that mindset shift as it relates to money? And talk about a little bit, not too personal, but just a little bit about your personal financial journey. Just talk to us about that. Going through college, getting your first job, entering into corporate America. How was that? We had this recent thing and I don't want you to talk about it. We both worked at Edward Jones. We won't talk much about it, but I mean, yeah. talk through some of those things and experiences. Okay. So for me, I've been around hard workers all my life. My dad worked a bunch of jobs to put food on the table. My mom actually just retired from United after 34 years of service. My sister got her first job. I remember she was 13 or something. You know what I mean? 12 in San Francisco. So I've always been around people that have been hard workers. But I actually wasn't trying to go that route. I was trying to enjoy and preserve my little childhood that I had because my dad was sick. I was just at the house taking care of him. I remember not playing Pop Warner football once because I felt like I had to be the man of the house. And I was 11. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I remember my neighborhood friends would come knock on the door like, are you going to play this year? Are you going to play this year? And I'm like, nah, I got to stay at home. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for me to work as a teenager, I don't want to work. <laughs> yeah. I want to play football. You know what I mean? I want to get those Again, time, back to the conversation with time, that time of being a kid back. And I still feel like I do some kid things now, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I didn't get that time. Seven years or so, then I was always on edge because any day, I mean, the doctor gave my dad six months to live. He lasted seven years, right? So it was, mm-hmm. this could happen any day. So fast forward to my first job. I worked a couple camps in high school, football camps, training people, stuff like that. Same thing in college. After I tore my ACL, I began to experiment with other careers. So I worked at a tech company, right? They gave me a super fancy title too, like director of marketing. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I wasn't getting paid director of marketing, money, but they gave me a fancy title yeah. to do that. Experimented with externships in the med space and the tech space at the time. This is pre-Uber, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. right when Silicon Valley was having that resurgence and new companies were coming up, right? So I was just bouncing around trying to figure out what I really liked. I graduated pretty early. I think I was 20 or 21. And I got my first job at an RIA in California, Fisher Investments, mm-hmm. right? So working at Fisher and I'm making decent money. I'm 21. I got a nice apartment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In California. I'm like, this is the life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm crushing it. 
Winning. Wow, mom's happy, right? I'm sending my mom flowers and stopping by. It was nice. After that, again, you're missing Edward Jones. Took a little bit of a pay cut, but I felt like it was a necessary chess move to kind of do what I wanted to do. And we talk about this all the time. The whole goal for me was to take all this information that my parents didn't know and give it back to the people who my thought needed it the most, right? That 99% that was just being overlooked and underserved. So I went to Jones to get my licenses to begin to do that. Took a pay cut, but I saw the value in how hard work could remove the ceiling of income. I wouldn't have to think about it if I just did my job, right? Became a great advisor, gave people the solutions that they needed. Stayed there for a little while, went to a bank on Wall Street, made, I was closer to six figures at that time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my mom was bragging to her friends, like, my son works at the bank and he's making money and things like that. And if I stopped there, all of those things that I thought were extremely great was me thinking too small mm-hmm. financially. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was thinking too small. Was the six-figure job the best thing ever? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I won't go into the details, yeah. but I was thinking too small about how you could really create your life, right? From a financial perspective, from the work that you do perspective, from an impact perspective, right? And when my brother passed away, that's when I decided to make this decision to start Burke. Now, again, what else can I lose? What if it works, right? So I left the bank, started Burke Now Financial Group, and pretty much exhausted all of my resources to get this thing off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, in thinking bigger, it was all worth it. Talk about that fork in the road, though. It was start Burke Now or try to get a house. Talk about that one, because you had to talk about it. You yeah, had to yeah. think about that. Oh, yeah. We had that conversation. So it's 2015. My brother passed away. Right. So me and my brother were super savers at the time. And I remember him passing away. This is super personal. And I'm giving my mom money. Right. I gave my mom money, gave my sister some money because mm-hmm. everybody was hurting. And I feel like my brother and I we were saving this money for so long. You know what I mean? So give everybody money. It's just we did pay for the funeral. I paid for it. Right. And I had a certain amount of money left over. And I'm like, I can buy a condo somewhere in D.C. and settle. Or... Mm-hmm. or <laughs> In the spirit of ambition, in the spirit of greatness, in the spirit of my brother, I can start a business that can provide generational wealth for years and years to come, that can provide opportunity and access for those who otherwise wouldn't be able to enter the business. So I took that money. And the first thing that I did was I paid for my CFP Mm -hmm. coursework. So I went to Georgetown, paid for the CFP coursework, and I used the rest of it to start Burknell Financial Group. I was fully bootstrapped, man, with broker-dealer relationship. Anybody backing me, I had to figure out insurance, I had to figure out everything by myself, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, the absolute best decision that I have, because now I'm not working for just money. Mm-hmm. I'm working to make sure that I'm impacting my community, my family. Right. And I'm also working for time affluence, because, again, time is the most precious resource that I feel that a person can have, especially after experiencing so much devastating loss. So super crazy at the time mm-hmm. when I talked to my girl about this actually and this is again open book here we were in DC and I had this apartment when I was working at the bank in DC I didn't even stay there right I would get on the train go to New York stay in New York for a week they would house me up I would come back and on the 15th floor my brother died and I remember starting Burkina Financial Group and laying on the couch I was super depressed some would go up some would go down I wouldn't get up but to use the bathroom you know what I mean mm-hmm. I'm like, man, how can I stop this pain that I'm feeling? You know what I mean? But again, the choice, like you mentioned before, the choice to recommit day in, 
day out, right? For better, for greater, and make something of that. It's something that I'm forever grateful for. I'm thankful for God for being with me during that time. You know what I mean? And again, the best outcomes have come from those seeds that were planted back then. It's crazy to think about that one chance that you took, right? We look back and we go, okay, I fork in the road. Am I going to purchase a home or am I going to start this business that I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it? I'm not exactly sure what the revenue is going to look like. I'm not have every any guarantees on this, but I'm going to bet on me. I know I can do something and I'm going to figure it out. And I think that just spirit of entrepreneurship, honestly, for most people of color, minorities, women, whatever group you want to put it in, when you start to look at it and bet on yourself, that has to be one of the best feelings ever, right? I talked to one of my friends and the other day we were hanging out and we were talking about one of his new corporate job. He just got another job and making good money. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, he had to do all of that to make that much money. We're going to make that much money without doing way less work with my own brand. And I think, how could you not take a chance on yourself? I think the biggest fear that either of us have is what if I've missed out on the opportunity that was placed before me? What if I don't bet on myself? What if I don't follow through with this idea? What if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? And I think you've become an example of what if you do? Yeah. What if you do? What if it does work? What if you do? What if you can create an ecosystem that'll generate six figures of income? We talked about this before. Is $50,000 a month, two months? Is $100,000 a month, two months? Can someone make $500,000 a month? Is that realistic? And I remember having those conversations, you and I talking about this, and that's real. That can happen. And I think everything that you have gone through has led you up to the spot where you're at now. Yeah. I was actually going to say that you make an excellent point talking about that fork in the road. I think that everything great can be traced back. There's a genealogy that happens for everything great. The genealogy of greatness. Genealogy of great, exactly. Hey, that might be the title of the episode right now. (laughs) Genealogy of greatness, right? So there's a moment in time where everything can be traced back to X decision that Mm -hmm. you made, right? Or X prayer that you prayed or X work that you did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for Berkman Financial Group, I think it was maybe even before incorporating the papers, but making a decision that I was going to be the Robin Hood of the industry and taking the information and giving it to the people that needed it the most. You know what I mean? That's one of them, right? So there's a genealogy of greatness that happens when you can trace everything back to that one person, or even in your client books of business for the advisors that are listening to the episode, you might have one client that is your big refer. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your book of business, you'd be like, oh, well, this came from these Nine clients came from this one person, right? So you can chase back that genealogy. Second thing I want to say is entrepreneurship is tough. It's tough. You talk about risk in portfolios and all this stuff. Entrepreneurship is the ultimate penny stock that Mm -hmm. you're doing, right? But Mm -hmm. I think that you can control it by the work that you put in, right? And it's okay for those that just aren't entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? Different strokes for different folks. And I think that the internet glorifies entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because of the results that people have, right? Yeah. But I don't want to make it seem like there's one way or no way. You know what I mean? But there's a lot to be said for the people that do bet on themselves and the lives that they are creating. It's amazing to see. It's one of the most unsettling things. I remember, and I'll just to chime in what you're talking about with the articles of incorporation. And we're getting the articles of incorporation. I remember August 8th, 2017 articles and incorporation. I'm still working at the firm that I was at, but we're trying to make this thing all work. And I remember I had a few clients that would be able to move, not a ton, maybe a handful of clients that I thought were going to be able to come with me. 
And I remember we just had one of our other friends recently do this. Shout out to Mike. Mike Policard had to go ahead and start his own thing. And I think right before you make that decision, you think, what if this doesn't going to work? We get flooded with these thoughts of anxiety, these thoughts of failure, these thoughts of things that we've been through before, whether it came from the loss of a family member, whether it came from not having anything, whether it came from whatever thought it started that feeling. And it's crazy that those feelings are the same feelings that you feel right before you get into doing something as big as what we're trying to do. And you have to do it anyway. You got to do it anyway. Just got to do it anyway. And I think, or I know that doing it anyway has been one of the best things I've done in my career. And I can say doing it anyway definitely is one of the best things you've done in your career. What are you saying to that person that's maybe not necessarily want to be an entrepreneur, but just that person that maybe wanted to do something different? Like, I got to do something different. I need to level. The person that's trying to level up, how do you get to the next level? Because you leveled up a few times. Talk about that. The person that is trying to know thyself, number one, know thyself, because by knowing exactly what you want to achieve in the macro sense, the, what that big goal is, you'll be able to humbly say no to every opportunity that doesn't fit that wealth design or the thing that you're trying to pursue, right? You're going to say, hold on, so you're going to say what to everything else after you get what you want? You're going to humbly be able to say no to every opportunity that does not align mm with the thing that you're trying to pursue. But if you don't know yourself, if you don't know where you're going, literally you're going to hop on it. And I'm seeing that a lot within our industry mm. right now. You know what I mean? And this is not what you want to do. You want to know exactly where you want to go and align with the things, people, right? And opportunities that will pour into that goal, that pursuit. And I think that's the first thing. And the next thing is simply rest of you months, but don't you quit. Mm-hmm. Right. There are going to be times where it gets challenging, when it gets hard, when you're going to want to cry, when you're not going to want to get up. You know what I mean? When the win for the day is putting on your shoes and standing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But rest if you must, but don't quit. It's about persistence. Consistency is the secret. And if you take an inch off the table every day, you walk a mile. You know what I mean? So I think that's another key to success. So know yourself. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge because I feel like People who don't know themselves are jogging in place. They've never gained any ground. They might make up some money, you know what I mean? But they've never really gained ground in terms of what they truly, truly, truly want their lives to look like, what they truly want their impact to look like, what they truly want their legacy to look like. So you have to know yourself, number one, and then give yourself grace. Rest if you must, (laughs) but don't you quit. 100, bro. 100. Don't be weary and well doing. Don't be weary and well doing. And I think. Man, I just sitting here chatting with you, man, it's always a pleasure. I'm thinking, is there anything that any area that we didn't touch on that you say, you know, something that I want to definitely bring to the listeners today? Is there anything like I that? I just feel like we got to do this more often, man. <laughs> it's gems, bro. It's gems. I mean, I know we do. We got to. Yeah, that's what I feel. We got to do it more often because it's power in sharing your story. It's power in sharing your experiences and the things that we've endured and we've gone through and the lessons that we've learned. I feel like we should talk more about those things, right, with people. This is a, a fraction, right? A mm-hmm. fraction, high level view of some of the things that we've been through, right? But those little details could really impact somebody's life, man. Somebody right now is listening to this conversation, trying to figure out their passion, trying to make their passion a reality, right? And in the process of you and I both doing that, there were some things that we had to do. Mm -hmm. And I look back, who was I at that time? 
Because I would not do that same thing right now, right? No. I mean, working late nights at the factory and then putting a suit on in the daytime, going to work at a rework, right? Mm-hmm. These are the things that people need to hear to have, one, faith that it can happen for them too, but two, to understand everything is a process. Mm-hmm. And if you marry the process, right, you inevitably get progress. Yep. What Drake says, so the proof is in the progress. Mm-hmm. The proof is in the progress. And I think about what you're saying. I was talking to my buddies the other day, went on that motorcycle trip. We just came back from Arizona and they were like, man, I wish I could be an entrepreneur and pick up and go do mm-hmm. what you do. I said, yeah, but did you want to almost lose your house? Were mm-hmm. you willing to get your car repoed? Were you willing to have overdrawn bank accounts for weeks at a time? Were you willing to have nothing just for the opportunity? Right. No guarantees, just for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to grind through this. I remember specifically one time when Madi had come to me and we were sitting there and we credit card maxed out. My car had just broke down. Okay. Credit cards maxed out. We don't have no extra money. And I remember Madi looking at me and she was like, what are we going to do? And I yeah. told her straight face, no hesitation. Everything's going to be all right. She was like, we don't have anything. It'll be all right. Mm-hmm. It'll, be, it'll be all right. And she was like, what do you mean it's going to be all right? And don't you know, the next week, one of my commission checks that came through was a huge commission check, got us caught up on a lot of things. And it just got us back to zero. It did get, it did, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like we won and had a whole bunch of money. It just got us back to zero. It was enough to get us back to zero to fight another day. Right. And not everybody's built for that. You know what I mean? No. Not everybody's going to be able to grind like that. And if you are willing to do the things that no one wants to do, you will be able to do the things that no one else can. Yeah. Exactly. And what you did, I call this personal equity, growing your personal equity. Mm-hmm. You knew where you were worth. Mm-hmm. You knew what that opportunity was worth. And you continued to buy shares of you. Mm-hmm. You grew your personal equity, right? And that's the biggest thing that I feel like people don't realize. You are so valuable, so talented. You know what I mean? So amazing. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Your motorcycle buddy can do this, right? Has the ability to do this, but you have to be your own biggest venture capitalist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And invest in yourself. And I think that every time I see an entrepreneur that is doing that or a person that is doing that in various ways, health, right? Finance, right? Creating businesses and brands. I'm like, I want to invest in that person too, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And it's just, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to invest in yourself just like you would in an Apple Google, right? Mm-hmm. They have downtimes too. That was a bear market for you. You know what I mean? Yep. That was a rough pass for you. Yep. But to hold on, right? Hold on for dear life and watch that same equity appreciate over time. And that's essentially what you're experiencing right now. 100%, bro. And you just got to grit your teeth and bear it. And we talked about this. When you do achieve some level of success, how you continue to push through? Mm-hmm. How do you continue to say, okay, now I've achieved. Remember when you were talking earlier, the whole thing about the six-figure job, you know, that was the coveted thing. You make six figures, the sky opens and life changes. Everything's different after you get there. Then you get there. Yeah, this well, is it. This is it. There's nothing else. This is it. No marching band. No yeah, marching. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. So now what? You know what I mean? And I just want you to talk about that a little bit. How do you continue to stay motivated? And how do you continue to do that after you've achieved more success than you had in anything else? Well. That's a tough question. (laughs) What I've learned is that the hustle gets easier, but it gets cleaner. The way you think, Mm -hmm. how you conceptualize things, right? Begins to change, right? So in the beginning, it was more brute force Mm -hmm. that I had to will myself through Mm -hmm. these different phases and these different levels. Now it's more strategic. How do you think through this to begin to scale your business or create more impact, right? So some of the conversations that we've been having 
is like, how do you price differently? Who are you trying to serve, right? What can you do to give people more opportunity? I think that you have new challenges and you answer those challenges because you want to have more impact. So for me, it's how can I give somebody what I have? Mm -hmm. That's the new thing, right? So it's almost giving yourself another thing to pursue. And I think that's the difference from those that are secure in their business and those that are comfortable. You're comfortable. You're not trying to do no more work, right? You're like, I want to just make sure that I'm here. I'm staying here. I never lose this. If you're secure, you know, you have something good and you know that with strategy, right? You can make that thing even better. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's also a mindset shift. We talked about forking the rolls and shifting mindsets. I think you have to make a mindset shift, right? To grow. When I hear you say that, my thought was no wasted movements, right? When someone teaches you, when you learn how to run, People kind of run. You can run a little wild. You got arms going all over the place and this and that. What are you doing? Yeah, there's a certain way to run. And I think when you first start running, you're running wild, right? Mm -hmm. And then someone comes in and kind of say, okay, let's get those arms straight. There's a certain way that you're supposed to do. There's a certain way that you're supposed to be at a heel-toe roll when you're running. Your stride Mm -hmm. needs to look this way. And I think our ability to run is being cleaned up. We're Mm -hmm. not having wasted movement. And so now you've seen them when someone's cooking. When they move it, especially, let's just say the 40-yard dash. Yeah. When they come out, boom, you know what I mean? First couple steps, boom, boom, boom. And by 10 steps, if you're running a good 40, by 10 steps, you got to be moving already. Yeah, yeah, you out of there. And I think that's where we're at, bro. I think there's no wasted movement. This is where we're going. And you said you have to know yourself and you have to know where you're going. When you're mm-hmm. running the 40, you have to know how fast you are. You have to understand that. And you've got to get to where you're going quickly with no wasted movement. I love it. And that's exactly what you got to do. You said everything that I was trying to say, just cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, with that, bro, thanks for coming on again. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I always enjoy having my brother on sharing this time with you. Before we wrap it up, I just want to make sure that you can give the guests a parting gift. If there's something on your heart you want to share with them, words of encouragement, just something to that listener that's sitting there listening to this show and has been kind enough to stay on this long. What do you have for him, Desarte? I know you got some, you always got gems. So what would you say to that person or those people? I used all my gems, but one of the things that I'm noticing as I progress and as I level up, as you would say, is that this life can be anything you want it to be. You are not confined by society standards. You are not confined or forced to think small. It can be whatever you want it to be. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're unhappy with any part of your life. You have the power to change that thing. You have the power to create a life that you love, to create an environment with people that you love, right? To do the things that you love, to look the way you love to look, whatever it is, this life can be created to be the best that it can be for you, right? And I think that's the thing that you and I both realized. That's the thing that made us grit our teeth and bear down, right? Because we knew at the end of this trial, right? We would be closer to what we think we should experience in our lives. So if you're listening to this, I want you to take that with you, man. Really understand that you can design your wealth. And I'm not just talking about numbers. You know, I'm talking about bank account statements. You can design a life worth living, a life that you love. And I believe that you can do it right now. So I'm excited and to see the impact that comes from this podcast episode and what people end up doing. I'm excited to see what happens for you and I both this year. I think we're going to continue to go onward and As you say, we're going to level up and change the world. Absolutely. No doubt about it, bro. No doubt about it. Man, once again, like I said, appreciate you, bro, coming on. And we will do this more. I think we got to give the people what they want. And they probably want some more of this. 
If you are listening to this and you did enjoy it, please, we're asking, leave us a review wherever you're listening. We definitely want to get that feedback. And if you want to hear more of the Sartan and I, let us know. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. My name's Inland Miles Mattingly. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time.